Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Journey to Grateful podcast, a podcast focused on helping us understand the process of loss and grief with the help of those who are living it. I am your host, Tim Begonia, and this is show number 61. Through this show, you and I will examine the details we've discovered during our grief journey. We will share our experiences, the good and the not-so-good, through the podcast, the blog, and on social while building a community that desires a more open understanding of what grief is, how it affects us all, and how best to navigate its difficult path. Be sure to join the community, subscribe to the podcast, and find quick links to do both over at journeytograteful.com. If you like what you hear on this show, please share an episode and the podcast with someone you know who could benefit a community that understands the path they are on. Today's episode will focus on change. Through many different reasons for change, we can learn the subtle nuances that change places in our lives and how to best approach them. I will introduce you to another website resource helpful for anyone on their grief journey to find answers to questions they never knew they had. And finally, through eight considerations of change, you will leave this episode reflecting on several different ways to look at this new life with grief that is in front of you. So let's dive right into the show. Life is changing constantly, sometimes subtly and slowly, and sometimes on a seismic scale. As the world around us evolves, our thoughts and feelings shift. And as our thoughts and feelings change, so do the ways we relate to the world. Around and around it goes. Though we often think of who we are as being fixed, our identities grow and evolve in the same way our physical selves are ever-changing. We live with ourselves 24-7, so we don't always see the change because it's subtle and slow. Though these changes can give us pause when we take a step back and look at them, they don't strike us at the moment because they are incremental and we can easily accommodate and adjust to them. For example, if I look at a picture of myself from 10 years ago, I may think, wow, when did I get so old? But I'm able to look at myself in the mirror on a day-to-day basis, without hurtling myself into a crisis. But sometimes, life changes are significant enough to cause drastic shifts, like becoming a parent, losing a loved one, getting sober, getting a diagnosis, and the list goes on. These changes can shatter your sense of self and create a web of loss that quickly splinters in and around you. In the past, I've specifically outlined what identity loss is. Today, I'm going to continue exploring the topic by looking at the intersections between change, grief, and identity loss. These concepts intertwine because each can be the cause or effect of the other. So this introduction is thanks to the website whatsyourgrief.com. Now, the article I've pulled this intro from, and the points we're about to discuss, is titled Change, Identity, Loss, and Grief, written by Eleanor Haley. Eleanor details extremely thought-provoking comparisons and truths about grief and change, which most people never connect. She breaks it down into eight considerations, as she puts it. Number one, change for the better still causes grief. Number two, change makes you feel out of control. 
Number three, changing your life and identity sometimes means losing your friends. And number four, you feel misjudged and mislabeled. Number five, people keep expecting you to be who you were. Number six, you struggle to find people who connect with who you are today. Number seven, you miss the before you times. And finally, number eight, you know who you aren't, but not who you are. Now, as you can hear, very poignant considerations when dealing with change during grief. So here's what I plan for this episode. I'd like to share with you the points she details, and while I do, I may add my thoughts and experiences as I share with you what she has written. To begin, number one, change for the better still causes grief. Eleanor writes, it's important to note even desperately wanted or needed changes, like getting out of a toxic relationship or making a healthy lifestyle change, can cause loss. When changes are net positive, people are often ashamed to admit they are anything but grateful. But we'll remind you time and time again, our experiences are complex and people can feel two things at once. So even if you feel you've changed for the better and you love your life, you can still grieve what you had to change or give up to get where you are. Now, this particular one speaks to me on a level of past relationships throughout my life. In the moment, you may experience this push-pull sort of feeling where you know, and more importantly, you are aware, that the change before you, the one you made for good, comes with the realization that you indeed made a mistake, and you need to own that as well. I suppose there were experiences like that where I indeed experienced a small related feeling of grief. But then again, as I think of it, in my experience, it was more of a disappointment in myself for the situation I had allowed myself not to be aware of in a timely manner. So obviously this first one doesn't directly relate to grief, but it does relate to a lot of experiences in life. Number two, change makes you feel out of control. Sometimes change is due to external forces out of your control. For example, someone else making a big decision that impacts you or getting laid off of a job, perhaps. Changes such as these can cause identity loss related to your sense of self-efficacy or confidence, whereas you felt you were in the driver's seat of your life before experiencing the change. You now may feel ineffective, incapable, and powerless. Now for myself, through my wife's cancer diagnosis, this out-of-control feeling is very much a large part of the change we experienced together individually, and as a family as a whole. I'd like to also add that change, in which you cannot reach a solution or an end easily, provides an even more helpless feeling than simply change brought on by perhaps a layoff. Not to lessen the uh, out-of-control feeling of a layoff, but they are indeed much different. With Colleen's cancer diagnosis, we felt we did all that we could possibly do. We tried new and extensive treatments right from the beginning. We asked questions, many, many questions throughout our journey with cancer, but we still felt wholly out of control. 
Anytime we were able to establish our footing, so to speak, it was a short-lived moment of comfort as something else would push us back on the road of uncertainty. Number three, changing your life and identity sometimes means losing your friends. Sometimes the people you surround yourself with are the people who share a similar lifestyle to yours. And when your life changes, you may suddenly find that you have little in common with some people. As a result, you may make the sad but healthy decision to stop hanging around certain friends. On the other hand, people you thought you were friends with may decide to stop hanging out with you, possibly leading to feelings of rejection and abandonment. An example of this is when someone quits drinking. In many instances, the sober person will have to stop hanging around their old drinking buddies to protect their sobriety. But beyond this, they may find people stop inviting them places because A. They only had drinking in common, and B. Their friends are uncomfortable hanging around someone who's not drinking. Now, as this concept relates to grief, I believe it's far more subtle and not as black and white. I've thankfully maintained many of our friends. However, I can say some of those relationships have shifted. In grief, some friends may have a difficult time either being around you as a reminder of their loss as well, or they may be just uncomfortable with not knowing how to talk to you what to say, how to face that obvious loss, you know, the the elephant in the room, so to speak. Others may drift away because your partner was the connection. They may become less frequent friends, but friends nonetheless. And there is the shift. Friendships may still be friendships, but they can become different, more distant, less frequent, not as intense or commonplace in your everyday life. And we, as those who have lost someone, need to understand these changes in friendships are normal. Some may indeed be more about life circumstances. Perhaps you were friends brought together by children in school, and now those children are in different schools. They are still your friend, but in a less frequent manner, most likely. And that is normal and has far less to do with your loss. Speaking of the change in identity, especially in my story with losing my wife to cancer, my identity was very much our identity, and I need to constantly remind myself of that. In fact, recently I was at a function where I saw many people I hadn't seen in quite a while, a large, casual, outdoor, spread-out gathering. I had noticed, now perhaps just my perception and not necessarily reality, but I saw in passing a handful of people who simply kept passing. I try not to make much of this since I don't want to make a misconception of this situation to be the defining aspect of it all. But as I saw some in more than one passing, I couldn't help but compare the before and after in this particular situation. Before, We'd have chatted, admittedly, because Colleen would have made sure of it. But after, we simply passed by each other. I then became a bit more introspective throughout the days after, realizing I, too, just passed by. I could have, and maybe should have, made that a different experience myself and engaged with them. 
So sometimes change and everything that goes along with it is as much our responsibility to make a different experience as someone else's responsibility. Number four, you feel misjudged and mislabeled. Sometimes an identity loss or change can feel a little more ambiguous. Something significant has happened that's impacted how you think and relate to the world, but you are also still the same in many ways. You know all your nuances, but most other people don't. So they may label and make assumptions. For example, someone with cancer might only be viewed as a sick person. Or a new mother might feel her boss now sees her as less capable and less focused. Now, in my experience with grief, I don't believe I'm misjudged or mislabeled as such, but perhaps seen differently than I have been previously. How that is, I'm unsure, but one thing that comes to mind often enough to make mention of it here is wondering if I am now viewed as, there's the guy I was talking about. He lost his wife two years ago. They have three kids. I can't imagine. Now, let me say, I'm aware of how pitiful and self-serving that might sound, but to maintain the transparency of this podcast in hopes if there are others who have these moments flash in their head, that they know it's not an odd thing to think. I need to be honest with what crosses my mind, and that was it. I have no proof, nor do I need it, that people think or say this or anything else, and I'm aware I need not care or worry about something so insignificant as this. But you need to know at times that that's what fills my thoughts. For absolutely no purpose I can think of. It just is there sometimes. Number five. People keep expecting you to be who you were. Somewhere towards the other end of the spectrum is the struggle of feeling defined by who you were before you experienced the change in identity. People who knew you before may have a difficult time accepting that you're different. While you're just trying to adjust to your life as the person you are now, they continue to treat you like you're the person you were before. For example, people grieving the death of a loved one often say they feel friends and family are waiting for them to go back to normal, quote-unquote. In reality, they have changed and will never be the person they were before their loss. Eleanor continues with this. In these instances, it may be helpful to step back and ask yourself, does the person know that I've changed? Have I shared with them how their behavior makes me feel? Are they doing their best but struggling to get used to a change that I've had longer to adjust to? Are they intentionally ignoring how I've changed despite knowing how I feel? And do they know their behavior makes me uncomfortable, but they continue to do it anyway? Now, admittedly, some of Eleanor's last points don't relate directly with my experiences. I've never felt uncomfortable with anyone's behavior. I've been fortunate not to have experienced any behaviors to be concerned with. But the first point is interesting and quite valid. Do they know that I've changed? 
I believe I'm more different internally than I am externally. I'm not sure I can explain that very well, and maybe it is the need to be more independent than ever since the loss of my wife. But inside, I feel so much different because, to use a far too often used cliche, a part of me is indeed missing. Another reason I believe I am different is because the path I was on, the path we were on, is no longer the path that is before me. Everything from that moment of our loss going forward will and has to be different because it is. And thus, so am I. And number six, you struggle to find people who connect with who you are today. It can be hard to make friends and connections as adults. So many people simply want a person or people who get them. And when you've gone through a significant identity-changing event, it can take a while to feel like people see you for you again, if they ever did. Sometimes it can help to deliberately seek out people who've been through the same experience you have. And it always helps to keep an open mind about people because you never know who you might connect with. Now, this is a very good point and spot on, actually. As adults, it is harder to make friends and connections. Opportunities aren't as plentiful. And with this post-COVID world, it's even more difficult. However, that even opens up different opportunities to make friends you otherwise would not have made perhaps a bit further away, and it's so much easier to cultivate those relationships and make them count. Connecting with those who get what you are going through is certainly important. However, just like with anything else in life, variety is key. Ultimately, surround yourself with the people that make you better, lift you when you need it, support you and get you, sure, but also, people who don't let you do foolish things or get away with crap you shouldn't. Friends are not simply people that say yes to everything you do, but perhaps they should be the people who ask why when necessary. Number seven, you miss the before you times. Whether you're happy in your life or not, it's okay to miss your life and who you were before. Maybe you miss how you used to be able to run an eight-minute mile. And by the way, for my listeners, that is not me. Or perhaps you saw the world as safer or more carefree place before when you were younger. Of course, there are things you will grieve about yourself and your past life. It's only human. The one thing we'll caution you against is negativity comparing yourself to the before you. It's not fair to compare the person you are now to an idealized version of the past. If you haven't noticed by now, losses inherit in change, and living authentically can require an immense amount of courage and vulnerability. So, of course, the new you comes with its challenges and hardships, but that doesn't make the you you are today any worse than who you were before. Now I would add, with loss, allow yourself grace. Grace to let go and break down if you need to. Grace to not be perfect or believe you must be perfect. 
Grace to embrace the new you as much as you embrace the old you. And finally, grace to move forward, not on as if to leave something behind, but move forward towards something that fills you, creates a better you, and that is for the good for you and your family, certainly for your specific world. And finally, Eleanor writes number eight. You know who you aren't, but not who you are. A common but complex experience is simply feeling that you don't know who you are anymore. Change has forced you to shed pieces of yourself that you may have once thought were integral to who you are. Now you realize these pieces just don't fit. But what does? And where do you fit? When you consider how much of your young adult life and beyond goes into constructing an identity, you realize what a difficult task rediscovering yourself can be. Now, I really like this one. It's so well put. So let's focus on that again. You know who you aren't, but not quite who you are. And I added the quite there. You know who you aren't, but not quite who you are. This is such a profound statement. If you've experienced loss, I encourage you to truly reflect on that statement in the weeks to come. I believe to understand who you are, it is just as important to know who we aren't. It's as though we're attempting to establish a brand identity As successful large and small companies often do, it is imperative to understand in business what your company is and does, but just as important to know what your company is not. To dive into this brand idea just a little bit further, a successful company brand has a personality which is created by what your company does and what your company says, and more specifically, the words you will use to define your company's personality. However, it is just as important to know what you would not say, what words you would not use to define your company's personality. This directly relates to you as a person. To create your personality or to redefine your personality, you must know who you are. However, it doesn't stop there. It is just as important to understand who you are not. I thank Eleanor Haley of whatsyourgrief.com for her timely writing of change, identity, loss, and grief. Please check out that site as I find it is a wonderful resource for anyone on their journey with grief. Again, the site is whatsyourgrief.com. So as I wrap up this episode, I'd like to remind you to find a way to embrace change in whatever manner that works for you at whatever point in grief you currently find yourself. It's important to understand that everyone is different and the point of which they are on their grief journey matters. So just because for myself or someone else, a particular concept makes sense and works does not mean that it will work for everyone. So find your pace, take in what works for you, and adjust it as you need to make it work for your situation. 
for those trying to help someone on their path with grief, whether they are weeks into it or years, please understand there is no one book or website that will provide you with all the answers on how to help your friend. So gather as much as you can from different resources and trust what makes sense to you and for your friend in their specific situation. Sometimes being there unconditionally is enough. But if you can share with them a book resource, a podcast, or a website where they can walk their journey at their own pace, that too is helping them through their grief. Thank you for joining me on the Journey to Grateful podcast. I'm so thankful that you show up each and every week. Please stop by the community and let your voice be heard. Share your story or ask questions. I am glad to help if I can. Head on over to journeytograteful.com community to access our social media channels for Facebook and Instagram, request to become a guest if you'd like to on the podcast, or contribute to the blog with your very own story. While you're on the site, sign up for my bi-monthly newsletter designed to provide you inspiration and motivation. And also, I invite you to connect directly with me via email it's tim at journeytograteful.com. More importantly, give me a call, leave me a voicemail, and be on the show by telling me in what ways inspiration helps you through grief. You can contact me directly at 262-298-2428. That's 262-298-CHAT. Or you can use that number to just send me a text. And lastly, I ask if you like the show, please share the show with a friend. Take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show. It goes a long way to helping this podcast get in front of those who need it. You can go directly to journeytograteful.com and choose the leave a review button on the homepage or any of the podcast episode pages. Okay, literally, while I was putting together this particular episode, I saw my wife's friend's social media post that included this quote from Maya Angelou, and I just knew it was perfect for today. She writes, My wish for you is that you continue. Continue to be who and how you are, to astonish a mean world with your acts of kindness. That quote gives me a sense of calm and satisfaction that is hard for me to explain. Sometimes inspiration like this just hits you for whatever reason, and this one is that for me right now. Continue to be who and how you are. What a simple yet powerful comment on identity and change. As if to say, who you are today is who you were meant to be. Tomorrow you may find yourself to be even more than you are today. And that, my friends, is just perfect. Be you the way you are meant to be today. And thank you again, my friends, for joining me today. Let me know your thoughts on today's episode or any previous episodes. And for those who are walking on their path with grief, I hope you find a way to walk confidently on your journey to grateful. Bye-bye.